Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to two pilots who are from Afghanistan. They flew with the Afghan Air Force and were close partners with U.S. allies. And now they are here in Boise, Idaho, looking to rebuild their careers as pilots, which is something that our nation desperately needs right now. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with Najib Amani and Bashir Nadiri. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Atali. So, Amani, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, why you wanted to become a pilot, and what your experience is so far as a pilot? Thank you for inviting us. And I'm Najibullah Amani. Uh, I'm born in Afghanistan, in capital of Afghanistan, Kabul. In 2001, when the Taliban defeated by Northern Alliance and also U.S. and NATO, so most of the people, they, the new regime became a called democracy for Afghanistan new. And all people feel that uh, there is a new door open for them, and especially the women and kids, they never seen a democracy and freedom. So I was also the part of those kind of people. And I was skate on that time. I think I was sixth grade of school or seventh grade of school. So we started our school and that was my wish to become a military officer to protect my country and serve my people. Even my family, they are civilian. So that was my wish to go in military. I passed exam and I entered to National Military Academy of Afghanistan. And after four years, I got my bachelor degree in law. Then uh, I decided to go in aviation because that's very different. You can see your country everywhere. And also you can travel to whenever you want, which province, and you can meet different people, different culture. That was my wish also. So thanks God, I got that opportunity and I became pilot. And I got a chance to enter to special mission wings. That was a, a new unit in Afghanistan, mixed up with the Afghan crews and U.S., British, and supporting the ground forces, police, NDS, which is you guys have a CIA, we have a NDS, and also the armies, especially commandos. We start in 2015 our career in 7 units uh, along with the NATO American crews. And we were against the terrorism, Taliban, narcotic, smugglers. Until 2021, I have a lot of good memories and bad memories as well. Good memories that we serve for our country. We did a lot of mission during the night and day, far away from our family, months, two months. Mm -hmm. But that was good memory, serving for people, that's honor. Bad memories, we lost our friends during the missions, about 30 or 25 friends that were, they were very close to us. And even uh, after 2018, most of the crews, when the United States decided to withdraw from Afghanistan and give the most of the missions for Afghans and Afghan forces were along on that time, alone on that time. And we did very good and we did a lot of mission against the terrorism. 
and we lost a lot of friends, which is the, that's my bad memory. Of course, uh, 15 August is very bad memory for me. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about the yeah, loss you're that you've experienced. Thank you. Though. You're welcome. Bashir, what about you? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be a pilot. Well, uh, I'm Bashir. Thanks for inviting me. And I saw the opportunity on 2013 uh, when I was in high school, the last year of my school, which was the 12th grade. And my dad used to be a pilot and he was a helicopter pilot back in days. So I saw the opportunity and I went there, did the exam and got passed and approved uh, for the scholarship to be a pilot. So every day was a different day from a normal life to be a pilot and especially a military pilot, which is kind of challenging. And yeah, I did. Uh, I got the scholarship, went to UE, did my flight turnings and my ground school and everything and got the second grade in all class back in UE, went back to Afghanistan, flew in a fixed wing PC-12 as a reconnaissance and did the job for four years. I had really good memories and also horrible memories too, as the last days were 15, I guess, 2021, the government fall. And it was really different to be a pilot. You experience different weather, and different places, you meet different people. But alongside that, you can be honored to serve your country too. Well, after 2021, came here and got a friend in Boise. To be honest, I didn't know there's a state called Idaho or Boise, <laughs> but our friend invited us here so we can continue with our studies and get a chance to be the pilot and meet the skies again, hopefully. You chose Boise because you had a connection here, and yes. that connection is also a pilot, correct? That's right, yes. So he's kind of been an example for other pilots of what's possible. He came here, um, was able to overcome all of the hurdles financially and all of the certification barriers to become a commercial airline pilot and now has a, a good job as a commercial airline pilot. That's right, yes. You're studying and you're working really hard on that same path. Can you tell us a little bit, we'll go back to you, Imani, about what that has been like for you, what that process has been like to be able to fly again here? Honestly, when I arrived in Boise, there was no honey hope for me to flying again back. But we got very good friends in Boise, and we got a good communication and good connection with the global talent, which is I want to share that one. So these guys, they made it something different for us and they provide for us that opportunity to rebuild again our career and we start again our <laughs> studying for the uh, aviation. Even we had a uh, lots of uh, challenges and before there was no transport for us and also the job we had before that was not suitable for us. That was very hard during the night shift and you know coming from the very relaxed position and start with the very challenging work, uh, rough work. It's very hard for everyone. But fortunately, we got chance to work with the nonprofit organization. We got very good experience with them and I found lots of good friends. And they encouraged me. Still, I have connection with them and they are very great people. And still, they they're sending their messages to me and encouraging me, even my friends. And we start with a lot of challenges, 
but we never said we will stop. We decide we have to do that one. You know, in the United States, it's the country, first country in the world, and try to be uh, in the top or try to make a career in the United States is very hard, especially when you come in the first or two year. It's very hard and to make your career again. But we did. Still, we are continuing, and we did our exam. We passed our exam, and hopefully, we are close to our next step, which is flying. And hopefully, next month. And yep. What's the process been like for you, Bashir? So, when you got to Boise, you probably had to just get kind of a survival job to make sure you were making money. What did that look like for you? Um, and what's it been like trying to work and study again to become a certified pilot here? Yeah, that's right, Holly. Well, yeah, when I arrived in Boise, so obviously when you arrive in a new place, it's a culture shock. You see new people, new food, everything is new for you. But uh, yeah, I'm going to admit that we saw lots of smiley faces, open hacks from the people of Boise and Idaho for global talent. So we felt like a home with the people. We got friends so fast in just two, three weeks, and they helped us a lot. But yeah, you're right. We tried to find a job to just continue our life and go on the next steps, which was flying. I had the flying in my mind from the first day I got out of Afghanistan because I had to believe in myself that I can go and fly again because I have the ability, the knowledge, and we can add to that knowledge whenever we want. And it was really challenging on the first days, but those days passed. We had the jobs. We had to work overnight. And then we quit that job, got another job, and got another job. I, I went to Boise Airport, where I love to be near to airplanes and see the planes taking off and landing. And the people in the Boise, I mean, there's a guy who is a retired Marine Carteras. He is helping us right now. But we are getting through it. We're in a half process right now. And with the help of the people, we'll go through it and then we'll be able to fly again. And hopefully we can get a good job so the challenges will be easier for us and especially for our families back in Afghanistan because we are the only one from the family living in here in the United States. Got a big family back in Afghanistan, all of us. And the only hope they have, the only person they see in the challenging days that they are right now back in Afghanistan is us. So, yeah, there's only one guy from one family. And what does your family makeup look like? I got like 10 members of family, mom, dad, two brothers, six sisters. And the situation in Afghanistan is kind of terrifying and hard for the women right now. And yeah, I got a big family and I got to like be really careful to help them and all that. Amani, what's your family makeup like? It's a big family and uh, parents, uh, five sisters and two brothers. And my own family, uh, my wife and two kids currently living in Afghanistan. Also my youngest brother and one of my sister because of the, due to the bad situation in Afghanistan, they uh, left Afghanistan, currently living in North Cyprus. Uh, still, they have a immigration status over there and they need my support. And I think my friends also, they are my part of my family still we are looking for our friends sometimes they need support from us and there's no option for them so sometimes we do support our friends in Afghanistan as well 
because uh, currently, you know, most of the people, they don't have any job and the economy is every day descending and people are frustrated from the situation right now that Taliban is controlling Afghanistan. Uh, if you don't have jobs, so it's honestly very hard to provide food for your kids. And we that's our message always for our friends. We will not forgive our friends, our family, our country. And we know better than other people because we were inside the community for a long time and we served for them. We are so sorry that we did not stop this violation in 15 August, but we will continue to serve for them from outside of Afghanistan. If you're open to talking about the 15th of August, 2021, what was your process like to get out of Afghanistan? Bashir, do you want to start? Yeah, 15 August, 10 a.m. Everyone gathered around and we had this mission of clearing the provinces from our soldiers to get them out of there as Taliban was getting close to close to capital, Kabul. But then afternoon, we got the order to get out of Afghanistan, everyone. No matter what, you got your family, kids, you don't have to care about no one. You just got to get yourself out of Afghanistan with the planes. And I think we had like 15 minutes to choose to stay or go. But everyone chose to go because it was hard seeing the suit in your body and your plane in front of you in the airport. So we didn't want to tell one get us or ask us questions about our friends and families. And we didn't want the horrible things happened to us, so we got out of Afghanistan with our planes, the planes that we did mis- a lot of missions with combination with the US Army and NATO. With those PC-12s, those planes, we got out of Afghanistan. And it was a dark day for Afghanistan as the airport was full of people. Women and children were running over the runway and everyone wanted to get out of Afghanistan on that day. Uh, I don't think everyone got the chance to get out of Afghanistan. So that was a hard day for people of Afghanistan, for the government. That was a dark day for everyone back in Afghanistan on 15 August. And part of the order was making sure the aircraft wasn't going to fall into the Taliban's hands, correct? So you wanted to get it out? That's right, yeah. That was a part of order too, because there were remaining only like three or two planes that got destroyed Mm. by the U.S. Army. But we got out, like estimated all the guys 65 planes including helicopters and fixed wing planes out of Afghanistan with all armory and everything with all arsenal and yeah that was the part of order to get out the equipment so the Taliban cannot use it after us. And Imani is that what your day looked like as well or did were you two in different parts of the country at that time? Uh, actually we were in the same place on that time and before Kabul fall, we were part of the big mission in north of Afghanistan together. We were crew and we came two days ago from uh, in 13 August. We came from north of Afghanistan. We spent one night at home for kind of vacation. But unfortunately, the situation was very bad. And we we got the call from our uh, unit and they said, you guys have to come and unit. We need more crews. So... We went inside the triple seven, and as Bashir mentioned everything, so what happened, yeah. You flew to Uzbekistan? Yes, uh, uh, when uh, everything happened suddenly, so after the all discussion, uh, 
then we got uh, we divided different crews and different uh, aircraft i got my own aircraft 446 i never forget that tail number so with the friends and co-workers and we got the soldiers also we flew from kabul to uzbekistan yes were you received well there or what was that like for you was it frightening yeah honestly um, by the law you cannot cross the border but the situation was you know something different so you have to protect yourself and your aircraft and more crews and we called for emergency fuel and we landed in uzbekistan i do respect the people of uzbekistan and probably that's the rule of them we did not uh, got very good behavior from the military of uzbekistan when we land over there there was a kind of uh, for me that was kind of insult uh, from the military and also they got our cell phone that was very important for us to contact with our family on that time to how to evacuate from afghanistan we missed chance on the first day and that was hard for our family they never knew it we are alive or death and we are where are all the pc-12 pilots or the smw or air force and then we moved to a very small compound which is i think i'm a little bit sensitive with these kind of things because we knew it about the regulation of war regulation of military when you move somewhere if you are uh, guilty it is not uh, possible it is not fair from the military to do something bad with you even we went in uzbekistan and bad situation and we went for help in uzbekistan we feel uzbekistan is our neighbor and they will do something very better with us we never choose iran and pakistan because situation of iran and uzbekistan uh, pakistan is very different from uzbekistan uh, unfortunately there was no good food no good place for sleeping and then by help of the u.s forces and u.s diplomatic people uh, they requested to move all the crews from that position to a very better position then we went to a different place and we spent about a month over there and that was a good place yeah um, for me i was kind of shocked when i went to uzbekistan because the only thing that never changed all around the world is like humanity mm. and love which doesn't need any cultures any languages and these two things like humanity and love never needed any language or culture or different kind of people of different world uh, different countries in the world so i went to uzbekistan the new we left our family behind and our loved one behind and they knew that we have nothing and we just came to them and they knew that we had everything left behind and we have nothing and still they got our phones which was really shocked to me. I felt like a criminal or did I did something bad or what? I just served this country for four years, leaving my family for two months every year or up to six months out of home, being on the northern, southern, western and eastern provinces to serve for the country and for the people. And we really respected those people in terms of different 
meetings and different things in Afghanistan. We respected Uzbekistani people. But I was shocked when I went to Uzbekistan. And we had nothing to contact our families. Me, myself, my family, my mom thought I was dead because there was a, a rumors that one plane just crashed. And everyone was thinking it's my brother, my son, my husband, or that kind of things. So for 35 days, had no phone, no, no contacts with your loved ones. And it was a, a disc phone, which you had to stay, stay for a line, in the line for four or three hours in sun, under the sunlight to get your turn and call to your family for five minutes. And yeah, I, I lost my thoughts and I was really shocked. They didn't behave like a human with us. They preferred their government strategies and a lot of other stuff than humanity and love and to care for each other. Yeah, I cannot forget that that 35 days I have my notebook which I have written stuff in there and yeah I will keep that in mind and I will just we have to spread love and care each other no matter where the people are from which country from which government and yeah we have to show love and care for everyone for each other so yeah I was shocked on the, back in that day yeah one thing more so the Uzbekistan when we arrived in Uzbekistan Something was very horrible. They start uh, kind of uh, to make lots of people scared from the situation, what's going on in Afghanistan every day. And they start discussing, oh, we will send all of you back to Afghanistan. That was kind of decision of them first to give all the pilots back to Taliban. I don't know what was the agreement between Uzbekistan and uh, Taliban. Uh, I don't want to go very deeply in politician, but they had a decision to give all pilots first to Taliban without any reason. And they had some communication also with Taliban. And they, I don't know, probably they gave it that to Taliban all the information, which is, uh, that was very horrible for everyone. How many days went by before you got to tell your family you were okay? What was that phone call like this year? Uh, me, for myself, it was like 10 to 15 days. A guy just smuggled the phone into the compound from the <laughs> Uzbekistani officers or soldiers. And it was just like hiding the phone in one room, one guy standing outside so that Uzbekistani soldiers doesn't come to the room. And we had to call our families for a minute or two so we can say we're good. Uh, we don't have our phones with us, but you guys have to don't have to worry because, yeah, we we have seen worse, so we'll pass this one too. But yeah, they were really worried till we got into the UAE after 35 days, and then we had our phones and we could call them, FaceTime them, so they can see us and believe us that we are good and all good. Yeah, it t it took me like 15 days to call them. What about you, Oman? Uh, same thing. After two weeks, maybe we got a chance to talk with our family. And as Bashir said, there was a smuggler guy inside the compound from Uzbekistan. And by corruption of money, he brought to us uh, the cell phone. So we got a chance to talk with our family. But unfortunately, on that time, there was no chance to evacuate our family. The procedure of evacuation was done on that time. Then our family, 
uh, got contact with us uh, that we are in Uzbekistan. Then we went to Abu Dhabi. That was great time with uh, not great time, but better time. <laughs> yeah. The behavior of Abu Dhabi people was very great. And the place that we lived over there, very good place and foods, internet, contact with our family and everything was good. I appreciate always Abu Dhabi people. Wow. What month did you move to Boise? I arrived in United States in October 2021, then spent uh, three months in New Mexico compound. Then in January 2022, I arrived in Boise. I arrived in February. I think it was 12th of February in Boise. Yeah, it was a cold weather though. Yeah, you got to experience our frigid weather first. Yeah. Can you talk to me about your first week? what that was like for you, what you were thinking about, what you had to do? Uh, first week when I arrived at Boise, I stayed in a hotel that they already sorted out for us. And I was thinking to have a job and support my family and my fiance back in Afghanistan. And obviously start a new career, but I didn't know to start from where, where to go, who to meet. But yeah, I had the hopes have a better job and to do what what I'm good at which is flying uh, I have like more than thousand hours of flight experience and my friends also has more than that so yeah that was that's the one one thing I'm good at doing so I was thinking of doing that now I'm through it I'm half through it studying right now and yeah, at the same time, supporting my family, which is really kind of hard these two months for us. But we're getting through it. What about you? Um, honestly, I spent uh, three months in New Mexico compound, which uh, that was very hard for me. About 500 people were inside the big tent. Uh, I never had any good sleep over there. Mm -hmm. uh, so during the night, somebody sneezing, somebody talking, somebody listening to music. So I said first night I would sleep very well in hotel. When I arrived in the hotel was provided from the IRC. Uh, that was good night for me. I slept very well. Then after one day, as Bashir said, we start our responsibilities to take care of our family and ourselves. Yes. You just had to jump right in. Yes. What was your first job? I applied for Amazon. Worked there for three to four days, then I regret working there. In the warehouse? That's right. Four days, then I quit the job. Got the job with Walmart. It was a night shift, obviously. When you work and you're new in the area, they'll give you the work during the night shift. Mm. Were you loading shelves? That's right. Yeah, stalker. And then, yeah, did that for four months. Then my third job was, I was really happy with the job. I just quit it because of my studies for the better opportunities, which is being a pilot. Otherwise, I wouldn't quit fueling planes, being around planes and mm -hmm. talking to the pilots and stuff. You quit your job to be around planes so you could get back in the plane. In right? the plane, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. There's always better steps and higher steps that we got to catch. Yep. That was my first job, Amazon. What was your first job, Amani? My first job was in uh, Jackson Jet Center and airport. 
that was a very good place for me as well. And I spent about three months. Then we moved to downtown. And on that time, there was a problem with the transportation. Mm. And that was hard to go from downtown to Jackson Jet Center. Then I quit that job and we went to Walmart. And then uh, I got chance to part of the immigration justice Idaho, which is I will not uh, forgive that moments. And I appreciate all the member of uh, IGI director and attorneys. I learned a lot of things from them, and that was very good experience. One year I learned administration, legal works, interpretation, and serve for Afghan community as well. And we learned a lot of things from our people. Then I resigned a month ago because due to a lot of studying for new opportunity. Yeah. Even I have I have a contact with them and they are good people. I appreciate them. Yeah, I was glad to see that you got to put your law degree to use. Oh, yeah. And it's so needed just for context for people listening. The tens of thousands of people who came from Afghanistan to the U.S., were given temporary humanitarian parole. So yes. it's a little bit different than traditional refugee resettlement where you come resettle and have a five-year pathway to citizenship. People who are given the emergency status of humanitarian parole are allowed in, they're allowed to work, they're receiving some of the same support systems, but the thing that's missing is that pathway to permanent status unless you yes. apply for asylum with legal help, which I think you were doing, um, Amani, helping people. Yes. Um, but it's not as clear cut, and I know there's some anxiety for people wondering what the future holds and what. Of um, course, for especially for those people, their families living in outside of USA, it's very slow process. I know I respect the process UCI is doing. I know right now what's happening in north of uh, United States and borders. They are busy. We campaigned because of the Afghan Adjustment Act, but because of some uh, issues, it's not approved from the Senate. And I hope this process become a little bit faster. And like me and other Afghans or some others, refugees that right now living in USA, same situation, and they approach for their families very fast. Yeah, there's, I'm sure, so much longing to get your families here, but not sure about the timeline. Another thing I might mention is listeners may have heard of the term SIV. Um, some people who served in the military in Afghanistan received special immigrant status to have a pathway to citizenship through the SIV. Are either of you? We are both of us asylum, not SIV. And yeah, we're both of asylum case. Still waiting for decision. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the um, new, we call it our pilot pilot project because it's a new project mm-hmm. for pilots at Global Talent. Um, for anyone listening that's not familiar with Global Talent, it's a part of the Idaho Office for Refugees yes. that um, we noticed there are so many people coming with very advanced skills and training and degrees, and then it wasn't always easy for them to get plugged back into their career here in the U.S. due to maybe certification hurdles expenses that come along with that or just not really knowing the landscape here or who to turn to or what to do. So Global Talent was created about 10 years ago to step in and help fill that gap. And we saw that about 300 pilots, I believe, from Afghanistan resettled in the U.S., including about 14 here in Idaho. 
And so that's when Global Talent started working with pilots and with, you mentioned um, Russ, a retired Marine aviator who has been so helpful in helping navigate this whole process. And so to get back to flying, what does that look like? Was it 10 weeks, I think, of ground training? To get back on flying, we have to pass two tests, which one of them has already passed last week. We got good grades. And there's another test going on in two weeks. After passing that one, we need to be clear with the TSA. It's just the clearance of non-citizenship people flying in the United States. And after the TSA clearance, we'll get in the plane and fly for three weeks, estimate. And we'll be signed off by one of the CFIIs, which is the certified instructors in Bellingham, Washington. Mm. And then we'll look for the new jobs. And the RAS is our agent, so he will be looking for jobs for us. And you mentioned global talent. It was a new thing for global talent too. For the, they didn't meet pilots before, mm-hmm. so they didn't know the words of aviation, the process, and everything. But they didn't deny one thing to a single thing to help us. So they are helping us, and they helped us before that. And now they know lots of things about pilots and aviation <laughs> and airspaces. I'm learning lots too, just terminology and. Fixed wing versus other types of aircraft. Yeah. But not only is it a lot of time, but it's a lot of money. Do you know how much it is per person to complete the full certification process? Yeah. uh, As we estimated with the RAS, uh, he told us it's estimated between like 35K uh, to 30K. With all your ground turnings, your flight turnings, there's single engine turnings and then there's multi-engine turnings, which is kind of expensive than single engine. We still need the help from the people and we are still looking out for the fans to get through this, to finish what we started and to be able to have a good job and to help our families. Yeah, that's the goal, which will happen in three months, two months. Yeah, so you can stop driving Uber till 3 a.m. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it will have a real job and... Start flying again. Start flying again. We'll make like a lot of people happy, including our friends here, families back in Afghanistan. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be really happy with that. That's a lot to carry for you guys, you know, keeping yourselves above water in Boise, which is expensive to live in i'm sure you've noticed yes. That's right. yeah yeah <laughs> and then having your families back home how do you support each other through that to keep each other up and, and going and keep your spirits lifted we're really trying to distribute our times differently on studying on writing our logbooks to work and as you know the uber working it's not a specific time you gotta know where to work and it's yeah. uh, unfortunately during the night and we have to work till like 3 a.m., sometimes 4 a.m. The good thing is having friends. And I got uh, like three friends here, Najib and Wahid and Habib. And it's kind of more challenging for Habib as he's driving truck and then studying while driving. And he passed with a good grade too. So we're helping each other a lot to get through this. Sometimes fighting. <laughs> as any uh, family will do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Listeners may remember Wahid from a couple episodes ago. Wahid is your is cousin. Imani's cousin. Yeah. And housemate. Yeah, housemates. Yeah. That's right. What do you feel when you think that you'll be in a plane again soon? Do you get excited? I'm waiting for that time. 
I cannot explain that uh, excitement right now. Probably something different. And I'll wait for that time. Yeah, on August 15 this year, it will be exactly two years from my last ride, which I did back in August 15. So I'm really excited to fly again. You cannot like explain it in words. It's just felt how like you take off and land an airplane. It's just the feeling. Mm. You don't get anxious like me. <laughs> no, but we have feel. <laughs> yeah. So one of my instructor, his name was Hosman from USA. One time I remember the aircraft crossed and I cross-checked the, the aircraft and he said, you have feel of the aviation because you checked the aircraft. And after 15 August, when I landed in Uzbekistan, I said, that's my last ride in aviation. I will not fly again. I don't know on that time. So when I came to USA, after a long time, the aircraft crossed and I checked the aircraft. Then I remember the Osman. I said, oh, still I have feel of the aviation. So yes, we have feeling of that. So we all belongs to aviation. We spend a lot of time. So back to sky is our next goal. Your heart belongs in the sky. Yes. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you're able to stay connected? You have, you said two young kids yes. at home. How old are they? My son, he became seven years old. And my daughter, she will be in 18 July, two years old. Two years old. Yes. And you've been here, you've been gone almost two years. Yes. So you only had a short time in person. Very short time in person. When she born, uh, I went to north of Afghanistan, I mentioned. Um, fortunately, I was, we were together with Bashir on that time. We spent very good time and rough time as well. We flew nine hours and 10 hours per day for flight. Mm. So I got chance to come in 13 August to see my daughter just one night. She's my DNA. Mm. Right now she can feel and she calling me Papa from WhatsApp online. And she's very close to me, mm. even uh, never seen me. And they're good. And I do my best for them. Uh, I support them from USA, and they are good. What about you, Bashir? How do you stay connected with your family? Yeah. So, yeah, the time difference is a big challenge, too. <laughs> it's like almost 12 hours of time difference, uh, especially in this last month we have to we had to study. And so we didn't talk to our families as usual, and we just talked like once or twice a week for 15 to 20 minutes because we had to go over the studies and the test was near. And yeah, when we were sleeping, they were awake. When they sleep, we were awake. So it's kind of time difference. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we, we FaceTimed them. And a lot of time it's just texting calls, so you can focus on your work you do on our job, which is driving Uber right now, and our studies too. Mm -hmm. So we don't talk usually these days to just go over and focus on our studies and flying stuff. Yeah, you got your eye on the prize and you're so close. So that makes yeah. sense. You're kind of really close to that finish line. So it's kind of sprint mode right now. Yes, yes, that's right. Were you both living in Kabul or were you Bashir living? Uh, we were North? both living in Kabul. In Kabul. Can you tell me a little bit about um, what you enjoyed about living in Kabul um, in the good times and what maybe you miss about it now? So obviously when you're born in a place, raised in a place, you love the people around you and you love the food i really miss the food especially <laughs> back in home 
and we got literally like four seasons back in Kabul. You know, like when it will be hot or cold. So it's like four seasons, and it has a good weather back in Afghanistan, Kabul. And yeah, obviously when you are on your family, friends, and you love your vacations and you wait for your weekends. But here it's kind of different. Yeah, you gotta make your career. Obviously, you have to focus on our careers. Back in Kabul, yeah, it's just gathering people, lots of people that I don't see here. It's big families, lots of food, and a lot of vocation too. Mm. What about you, Amani? We are both from originally from north of Afghanistan, but we born in Kabul. So whenever where you born, so that's your home. Uh, I feel Kabul is best place for me. Uh, I miss my family, my friends. Every street of Kabul, food, and crowd, community, good relation with the neighborhood, um, culture. We had very good culture, especially we passed heat. During the heat, most of your friends coming to your home and you're going to their home. These kind of things I missed. And I think because of very busy community in USA, most people cannot talk to each other and they are not able to come to their homes. But we had very good times in Afghanistan. And I missed all Afghanistan, especially Kabul. You mentioned Eid, very special holiday yes. that happens is it twice a year. Twice, yes. What and the one is uh, Ramadan, Eid, and the second one is sacrifice Eid. So last week was the second Eid. Yeah. Were you able? I know you're so busy right now, but were you able to celebrate in any way or mark the holiday? Yeah, we just celebrated by calling to our families. Mm -hmm. It was different because back in Afghanistan, you get new clothes, you get a lamb or something to sacrifice, and then. Uh, it was different here. We just called our families and we went to the prayer too. So, yeah, we didn't do much here because we're busy. Yeah, for me also. I celebrate. I went to pray. We celebrate officially, but not same like we celebrated in Afghanistan, honestly. Last year, I was invited to an Eid celebration and I was so impressed and amazed at how large the gathering was how much food was there mm. rice and meat and such good food and bread i think it was naan or is there yes. maybe a different word yeah. that you um, use yes. for it and people were dressed up in just colorful beautiful clothing and men were dancing and the music was playing so loud and mm. this is cool yeah twice a year there's two days yeah hundreds of people there it was a big party yeah. i'm so honored to to be there and get to taste the food. I know what you guys mean now when you say you miss <laughs> the food like this. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, yeah. Have you found, in the midst of how busy you are, have you found fun things in Boise that help relax you and make you feel at home? Do you mean by the food or? Oh no, just anything that is fun or relaxing or helps you feel like this is kind of could be home. Yeah, when I go to like near to rivers or green areas, which is a lot back in Afghanistan. I, it feels it feels like home, back in home, because the nature. And we got friends here. When we go to their houses, it feels like home. 
And when we have free time, it feels really like home. But when we are busy working, studying, it's just different world. But yeah, when I see the nature, and Boise is really green, and it has lots of water and everywhere, so you can just go and chill and feel like home. Yeah, that's great. That's my way of uh, coping with life too. Let's <laughs> get out in nature as much as I can. Yeah. What about you, Amani? Uh, same thing. Uh, the geography of Boise, same thing. Like same, like Kabul. Uh, Kabul also surrounded by mountains and rivers, beautiful province in Afghanistan. And one thing I got in here, very good people. I feel they are my family. The co-workers, I spend time with them, how much they respect me and how much they trust to you. It's uh, very impressive for me. And I feel always in my office that I'm in my, with my family. Uh, last question for you both. You're the first cohort of pilots in this new Global Talent Pilot Project to go complete the recertification to be able to fly here in the U.S., three of you. But there will be more behind you. Do you have any advice or guidance that you would want to pass along to them from what you've learned? My advice will be see the bigger picture and focus on the studies and learn about uh, new things newer spaces in the United States and um, it will be all about the, how you are addicted to your studies, how you are just uh, paying attention or using your time and we don't have to just like pass our time doing other stuff and chilling. You gotta, you gotta have that one in your mind all 24-7 if you want to be a pilot again and fly again. There's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of materials that you gotta go through and pass the test and be able to fly again. Yeah, but she mentioned everything. Just, I want to tell, just no excuse, move on. You guys have a loss of responsibility and show yourself, you can do it. Well, thank you both. I feel extra honored now that you took an hour of your precious time to be on the podcast. Uh, so thank you so much and I really course, appreciate yes, it. You. I appreciate it. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit IdahoRefugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics. Production and partnership with SB Studios. <laughs>